0: Hi there, thanks for tuning in to the G-Force Podcast, a show for car enthusiasts, by car enthusiasts. After a bit of a longer break from us at the G-Force Podcast, we're back with a new episode. Today, we're going to spend some time discussing racing. More specifically, comparing the Monaco Grand Prix from two weekends ago, and this past weekend's Indy 500. Both of these events, as we've noted in their respective GForce episodes, are highly coveted and revered within the motorsport world, making up two parts of the Triple Crown. But one thing that doesn't get discussed enough is how these two events compare, from their similarities to their differences. And boy, are there a bunch of items for both. Now, before we dive into that part of the episode, we need to discuss the historic race from this weekend. First of all, Indy marked the biggest American sporting event in terms of a live spectator count. Over 130,000 fans were able to watch the race live at the track, which is still only about a third of the usual capacity for the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. But, I think I speak for all racing fans when I say I can't wait for more races across all the leagues to be able to host fans safely again. Aside from having the live crowds, which definitely made this year's race much closer to a normal one versus last year's empty stands event, there was also a lot of fantastic racing action and moments. And by the end, Elio Castanoves. Was able to pull off his fourth win, putting him up to the top tier of Indy drivers. He's also the first non American to get four Indy 500 wins. Now, I guess, can he set a new record of five wins next year? We won't worry about that right now. Instead, we're gonna enjoy this fantastic accomplishment by Castro Neves. Now then, Let's talk about some of the similarities between the Indianapolis 500 and the Monaco Grand Prix. First up, the history. Both venues have hugely important histories for motorsport and have been around for at least 90 years. Beside that, both are part of the Triple Crown. And yes, I promise to stop mentioning that, at some point. Both venues are also arguably the biggest race on their respective calendar. Now this more applies to the Indy 500 though. Monaco is sometimes less and less looked upon as this, but it is still the most spectacular scenery. Now beyond that, this year's race has also highlighted some other big similarities. In that group, the big thing that came up was the young talent. Both IndyCar and Formula 1 have a promising bunch of young, talented drivers that are making strong cases of being better than the old dogs at the times. In Formula 1, Charles Leclerc led the pack in qualifying, putting in a promising pull position time, only to tragically miss out on the race due to a drivetrain failure just before the race itself. In Indy 500 qualifying. Young talents Colton Herta and Renus VK also put in fantastic qualifying times, putting them in second and third. 21 year old Herta just missed out on pole position with Scott Dixon's blistering lap taking pole. But he, being a 21 years old, and 20 year old VK showed the way for the young drivers for that race. During the race itself, young talents also pulled off some great drives. At Monaco, the podium of Max Verstappen, Carlos Sainz, and Lando Norris was the second youngest podium ever in Formula One. And for IndyCar, even though Castro Neves won at 46 years old, young drivers Alex Palo and Pato Award finished real strong in 2nd and in 4th places respectively. In both cases, it seems like the racing world is in good hands with these young talents. Another big similarity, there were some memorable moments from pit lane this year for both races. At Monaco, of course, the main incidents came from Mercedes. First up, was the apparent botched-up timing on Lewis Hamilton's pit, taking him from 5th down to 8th. For some of you who recall this, and who also watched the In-Cockpit interviews, Hamilton was quite annoyed being the first one to pit out of everyone in the race. He was maintaining his tires, and he thought he could last longer. But then things got even worse for Mercedes when Valtteri Bottas pulled in a lap after, only to be forced to retire due to the wheel bolt stripping, keeping his old front right tire stuck on his car. Despite those major incidents, there were also a few other less than stellar pitting strategies. But again, Mercedes took the brunt in terms of the worst pit situations from that race. In the Indy 500, there were also a few incidents. Stefan Wilson was the first one to get out of the race, with the pit lane crash due to locking up his brakes when entering. And then a few laps later, around lap 36, the current leader at the time, and the pole position setter, Scott Dixon, also had a pitting dilemma, with his car shutting down just before he got to his pit crew. This forced him back a lap, essentially putting him out of contention for the rest of the race. Kind of like how Botas' pit disaster did the same, although Botas was even more extreme unfortunately for him. And now for some big differences between Monaco and Indy. And we first start this list off with where we ended up with the similarities list. Pitting. At Indy, there were far more incidents in the pit lane than at Monaco. Wilson and Dixon were among the first two with significant pit issues, but other drivers impacted by pit issues included Alexander Rossi, Colton Herta, who got a speeding penalty, Graham Rahel, whose pit crew didn't tighten down his rear left tire, which then came off just outside the pits and forced him out of the race, and Simona Di Silvestro, also locked up and crashed, like Wilson, were other drivers who had their races severely impacted by pit lane mistakes. Now part of this ties to how the pitting strategies differ between Formula 1 and IndyCar. But part of it also has to do with the fact that drivers can pass each other up until the pit entrance in IndyCar, whereas Formula 1, it's a single file road to the pit lane itself. With the IndyCar strategy, this forces drivers to brake as late as possible when entering the pit. Get it wrong, and they enter the pits and risk getting a speeding penalty, or worse, locking up and putting the car into the wall. Speaking of all of these incidents and passing, that's another big difference between these two venues. Monaco is notorious for being a low passing race, with the only real incidents coming from a driver crashing during the race itself. Again, there are a few other spot gaps where you could potentially overtake as we highlighted in our Monaco episodes. But for the most part, it's a lot of just driving single file. In the Indy 500, not only is there a lot of action from crashes, but there is tons of passing and overtaking The Indianapolis Motor Speedway is wide enough for cars to go at least three wide, and the high speeds coupled with this make for exciting passing. And as we saw with the pitting, this all adds up to the Indy 500 generally being a more exciting venue for the average viewer, whereas Monaco is better suited for the pure F1 enthusiast who enjoys the full weekend's worth of action. Overall, the Indy 500 and the Monaco Grand Prix are both very important and quite exciting racing venues. Both epitomize some of the key highlights of motorsport, and of course bridge the history of racing with our modern day competitions. But the differences between the two just further highlight how hard it is to win both of them, let alone both plus Le Mans for the Triple Crown. Even though all of the drivers competing in Formula 1 and IndyCar are among the best drivers in the world, there are big enough differences between the two competitions that make transitioning between the two extremely difficult. That being said though, maybe after Fernando Alonso is done with his current stint in F1, he'll give Indy another shot. It's the only remaining piece of the Triple Crown puzzle he has left to win.